Listening is loving. That's going to be our topic this evening here on Friendship Radio. Listening is loving. Developing the capacity to give the gift of listening. We've been talking about the whole idea that being able to give the gift to someone else is a powerful and positive affirming gift. Now, what did I just say? Start off with that. There's a tendency to kind of go on that automatic pilot. Just kind of put it, mm-hmm, 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 never paying much attention. Time to take it off of automatic pilot, and let's focus on some other characteristics as you develop in your own personal growth pattern some of the refining attributes and skills and attitudes that will help you give that gift to someone else. One of the things I'd like to start this portion off with is a comment that came from a professor of counseling of mine when I was at the University of Northern Colorado. And he said, in counseling, we like to focus on what we call the listening ratio. Each of us has two ears, two eyes, and only one mouth. And yet so often in counseling, we find that beginning counselors want to operate with a reverse ratio. They want all of their wisdom, their knowledge, their insights, their experiences. They want to, quote, be so helpful, they want to tell everyone how to live their life better, healthier, change, do this, do that. Well, we in counseling, he continued, want to encourage you to use the ratio as it is constructed. You have two ears to hear verbal presentations. The other person is wanting to talk to you. You have two ears to hear what he or she has to say. And you have two eyes to see the nonverbal aspects of that communication. Now, you can't see me, but you can hear what it was coming from my mouth. Now, if you could see me, With the power of television, for example, you would find that my arms are waving, I'm doing all kinds of contortions here behind the microphone, and I would be communicating to you by my body posture, by my eyes looking at you, by any any number of ways that I am involved and care about you. And then there's the one mouth. I believe that we can take that mouth and tell people what they need to know. We can say, do this and do that. Or we can use that one mouth to elicit the power from each individual to tell us. See, if the person can tell us, then they get to hear it. They get to see what is inside of them. And that, I believe, is where the true gift comes. I hopefully create this atmosphere where you can tell me about you. And in doing so, you get to hear what in the world you're saying, what you're feeling, what you're believing, what you value. You get a chance to tell me. So hopefully, I like to encourage people in the gift of listening to use their two ears to hear the verbal words being spoken, to Use their two eyes to hear the nonverbal actions that the person is doing. And to use the mouth to encourage people by asking questions, seeking clarifications, 
because really, when it gets down to the final point, something we refer to frequently, everyone is their own best authority on their life. They are the author of their own life novel. And being able to talk about it, being able to tell someone else in an atmosphere of listening safety, non-judgmentalness, is a way for that person to learn about themselves, to experiment, to explore, and to be able to develop a healthier self-image. Now, we talk about listening what is said, but one of the things that really comes out, and we go to Counseling 101 again, and that is learning to listen to what is not said. Did you hear what I said? Listen to what is not said. People are giving you information. They are writing things on the billboard. But are they also conveying what is not said? Yes, I believe they are. They are telling us about things they want us to know, but they're also leaving out certain things. And they really want to see if you're paying attention. Sometimes they may not feel safe. Someone may not may feel embarrassed. They may be frightened. Or they may just not quite sure how to form it into words that will effectively convey it to you. So I believe part of the gift of listening is listening to what is not said. What does the person choose to leave out as they talk about their family or their friends, their career, their self-image, their life mission? What do they choose to leave out, verbally as well as non-verbally? I, for example, can recall my last cruise, there was a man who came up and started in complaining about the inconsiderate behavior of other people. And he just walked up and started telling me about how insensitive these people were. And I said, well, you know, it must be very frustrating. It seems to make you very angry. Oh, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm very happy. As he sits there with his arms crossed, scowling. I mean, if this individual was happy, boy, happiness takes on a new meaning in my life. But here was a person that was saying one thing, and yet non-verbally he was communicating things entirely different. So try to look in the total picture of what someone is saying and what they're not saying. Why do I want to listen and to be heard? Well, I believe it goes back to a very basic human need. I want to love you, and I want to be loved by you. I don't know about necessarily being liked. I, as a human being, have a need to love someone else, and I have a need to be loved by someone else. Now, a lot of times, people don't spend much time focusing on it. They feel it just as much as they're breathing or their eyes are blinking or anything else. But oftentimes, they don't focus on increasing their awareness of this need because, once again, if you become aware of something then responsibility tends to be tagged right along. So if you become aware of your need for loving someone and you become aware of your need for being loved by someone, then you also accept the responsibility of doing something about it. Once again, a lot of people prefer to be victim 
and complain that they can't find anyone to love or that no one loves them. A lot of times in premarital counseling, we'll talk about what is love and how do you demonstrate love. One of the conferences and workshops that I was doing and we were talking about how to communicate love and listening and affection and affirmation and an individual gave me a two paragraph piece that says so much and says it so clearly and so concisely I wanted to share it with you this evening unfortunately I do not know the author but I would certainly like to encourage you if you would give me a a, a very affirmative minute of listening to really focus Out of this whole program, I would like these two paragraphs to be something that you would recall when we are through. It goes like this. I, like every man and woman, want to be loved. But, like every man and woman, I have my own idea, grounded in my personality, my temperament, and my experience of what loving and being loved means. Moreover, Locked in the prison of my own ways of thinking and my own ways of feeling, I assume that my definition of love is the only correct one. As a result, I want and I expect to be loved in the same way that I love others, with the same responses that I interpret as the evidence of lovingness. But, I am not loved that way. Instead, and quite logically, if one can be logical about this sort of thing, I am loved the way my partner thinks and feels about love, the way he or she understands and expresses it. It is my in my own distress, I often do not recognize that my partner is experiencing the same incongruency in reverse. Puzzled, hurt, unable to communicate our confusion to each other, frequently we both unreasonably feel unloved. Powerful words, I believe. And once again, I don't know the author of that, but I do encourage you to hear what is being said. I am saying I want to be loved, and I know that you do too. But oftentimes, I am loving you in the way that I interpret lovingness to be. And you are giving me love and affirmation in ways that you interpret lovingness. So oftentimes, we get frustrated. And if we don't develop the capacity of being able to tell others what loving and being loved is all about to us, and to be able to hear to effectively and actively hear what the other person is saying when they mean to love me means this. Can I communicate that? Can I really hear when you tell me that in order to love me, you need to be aware of this? This is what I interpret as lovingness. That's why it's important in premarital counseling to be able to focus on the difference in perceptions that we have as far as what love and being loved is all about. Men and women have different perceptions. Different men have different perceptions. Different women do. So it's really a very complex 
But once again, something we need to be upfront about and say, you know, just being in love doesn't automatically mean all of this, like I tell you six times a day I love you, or on our anniversary I'll send flowers, or if I love you I will write you a letter once a week, or I will call you every day, or I will do any of these things, because I need to also recognize that you may perceive lovingness behavior as different than mine, and that one of us is not necessarily wrong. I believe mine is correct for me, and you believe your ways are correct for you. My gift, I hope, is to be able to hear what you perceive, and I hope you can give me the gift of letting me tell you what lovingness means to me. That way, I believe we can build positive, affirming, nurturing relationships full of love. Now, we also know that as we listen and reflect on that, that what is sent in verbal communication is oftentimes not what is received. Or just like lovingness, we can take any other component of our lives and recognize that I interpret what I hear through my own standards. You will interpret what I do and the words I use through your own experiences, through your own opinions your own value system. So recognize, and it is need, hopefully, to clarify, I said this, can you give me some idea of what you heard? We go back to that question, can you tell me what I just said? Well, an extension of that is being able to say, I've just said this, what did you hear? That is another skill that we can develop as we talk so that we recognize that we are doing more than just taking turns talking. Now, we talked about, once again, we need a listening balance. Two talkers, two listeners. If you get them together, then you're not going to have effective dialogue. We need a balance. It doesn't have to be 50-50. Some very positive and healthy relationships are on 80-20. But the recognition is that if it's something like a 99 to 1, the odds are against it being uh, very effective. It's kind of like a balance of the continuum. We've talked about 1 and 10 being unhealthy, the extremes. Healthfulness, healthy behavior and attitudes tend to exist in that scale of 2 through 9, being able to differentiate. Now, why do we talk so much? Well, in our society, talking is power. Talking is control. We recognize that. And our culture tends to value and encourage people with power and control. Most of us like to have control over our lives. And if we're talking, we perceive that we are in control. We are dictating the agenda of the interaction between you and me. For example, tonight I'm talking. And we're talking about what I want to talk about, which is listening. But since talking is power and is control, we know that some unhealthy patterns can occur. For example, there are people who develop dependency. They believe they must talk because if they stop talking, you're going to find an excuse to get away. Now, sometimes they'll come up, someone will come up to me and say, Dr. Hugh, I've got this friend who just talks, 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 talks. My goodness, I can't get him or her to shut up. 
do you understand why he or she is such a shatterbox? Well, not really. Well, one of the possibilities may be, and there are lots of them, but one of them may be an exhibition of dependency. Someone who is depending on being with people hasn't learned the appropriate social skills, so they talk the person to death. And there are others who feel like they've got to constantly control others because this will keep them from being controlled. Now, we know that there are neuroses, people who suffer from anxiety and who talk from being very anxious. They have so much uncertainty in their lives, the anxiety is present, and talk is kind of a diffusion. It's kind of a way to discharge the power, kind of a lightning rod to take the energy from the anxiety and diffuse it through talking. It doesn't make any difference what's said. It's kind of like going to a cocktail party. These are people who, it doesn't make any difference what one says at a cocktail party because generally people aren't listening anyway. They're just kind of enjoying the pleasure of being in each other's company. So a talker can just talk and talk and talk and can diffuse their anxiety. Then, of course, you know, talkers can use and play various psychological games, like the always right, the person who they have to use their talking power to demonstrate that they're always right. They have to constantly use the pronoun I because they're not interested in the pronoun you. They're interested in I. They want to dominate. And this happens. But as we look at this and setting aside those unhealthy aspects, those people who basically need some type of treatment to get away and make a change, we go back to you, a average healthy individual who wants to improve their gift of living and their gift of loving. The only thing that I can encourage, other than some of the things that we've said tonight and I just kind of recognize, is that saying that listening is a gift. It's a gift that we can give to others. We invite people to talk. Now, most people don't need very much encouragement, but, I mean, and we're not talking about the shy people who have a negative self-image, who believe that what they have to say is not worthwhile, uh, that kind of thing. We're talking about the general, typical person who really does want to be heard. And I assume that, and in my experience, has been most shy people want to, it's just they haven't developed the skill or the confidence or the appropriate self-esteem to either find an effective way or an effective belief in themselves or a belief in other people that others want to hear. But I believe this gift is basically issuing an invitation. Listening, as we say, is a skill and an attitude. I must have a desire, and I must express that desire that I care and I want to hear what you have to say. Now, this has nothing to do with the past timing that we talk about at cocktail parties, the social stroking of just being... We're talking about real communication. As my one of my nephews would say, deep conversation. But this doesn't even have to be deep. This just happens to be real dialogue, whether it takes place across the kitchen table, whether it takes place on the seashore, whether it takes place in an office, it's one human being to another saying, I invite you to talk. I make a commitment to listen. I'm going to care enough to give you the gift 
of listening, and I'm going to become actively involved. One of the most effective tools that I can offer you this evening, in addition to some of the skills that we've talked about, is a game that was created, I'm not sure how long ago it was, but it's a board game that is entitled The Ungame. The Ungame. And the first thing that you notice about it is that there is no competition. There are no uh, value scoreboard. There's no scoreboard. So there's no competition. The purpose is just to enjoy the processing of interacting with another human being. Now, a lot of conversations, as we say, tend to be two people talking and appearing as though they're deaf. Well, a lot, of competi- a lot of conversations tend to be very competitive in nature also. The ungame gives the atmosphere where people can talk and the so-called rules are that no one can interrupt. No one can dialogue with them. They make the commitment to listen. If you and I were playing the ungame, you would draw a card, and it may say, what is your favorite color? And if you said blue, you could make the decision to be as short and as concise as that. You could even say, I don't want to tell you what my favorite color is. And that's fine, because I would not make any response whatsoever. I would let you express yourself to the degree that you felt comfortable and you wanted me to know. I wouldn't pry. I wouldn't try to manipulate you. I would just let you express you to me, another human being. You might take and say, well, blue is my favorite color and I like it here, there, and so forth and so on. And whenever I see blue, it reminds me of this and that. And that's fine. I make the commitment to listen. Now, there's more to this game than this, but... It's basically creating the kind of safe, non-judgmental listening atmosphere that we've been talking about, where people make the gift of listening to you. What did I just say? We started with that at the first part of this program. And even after I've talked all about various skills and attitudes of listening, I still believe that is one of the most powerful and effective skill builders. Can you, after listening to this program, tell me what I just said? The odds are that you're going to pick and choose those things that you think are most important. But what are the things that I think are most important? Would you be able to pick and choose and tell me what was important to me, as well as being able to pick and choose what was important for you. If you did have that ability and you have developed those skills, then to me you've developed a real effective way of communicating positively and affirmly with other people. You can listen to yourself. You can pick up what other people have to say and relate it to your own criteria of needs but you also have developed the capacity to hear what is important to the other person. And it may or may not have 
anything to do with what you consider important. I encourage you to focus on that as you develop the capacity to give the gift of active, affirming, non-judgmental listening, a listening hospitality, an atmosphere of listening that says, I care about you. Before leaving tonight, I want you to know that I do appreciate the gift that you've given me each time we gather together here on Friendship Radio, and that's the gift of hearing what I have to say. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you very much for what you've done in giving me a gift that helps affirm my own values as a human being. 